Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Jen Lowry Writes. Today, I am so honored to be sitting here with Colin Kersey. Guys, I've got to tell you all about Colin, so we're going to get started. Colin's writing combines hair-raising stories and vivid prose with colorful characters. His first novel, Soul Catcher, was published by St. Martin's Press. A former Washingtonian and self-described Rainophobe, Colin now lives on a sunny island in Southern California where he is employed as global PR manager for a Japanese company. He's a graduate of the University of Washington, Western Washington University, and the novel writing programs at Stanford University. He's currently working on a third novel, which we got to talk about how all this process works for you. His work has been featured in select news media outlets, including Entertainment Weekly, Washington Post, Library Journal, Publishing. Weekly and Kirkus Reviews. We are here to talk about Swimming with the Angels, your newest suspense thriller. But before we get there, tell us some more things about you, Colin. Well, I'm blessed to live on a little island in Southern California. Um, we just, we found it really, it was God leading us here. I'd always wanted to live by the water. And, Right in the middle of the pandemic, we found this little place in Channel Islands Harbor, a man-made island, and there was a home for sale at a wonderful price that we could afford. And of course, because of the pandemic, everyone was working remotely, which made this a perfect move. So so that's a little bit about where I live. There's a view of the water in front of our home and our our boat, our little electric duffy is moored right down in a dock, maybe a hundred yards away. So it's pretty idyllic. And as I said, I'm kind of a rainophobe in Southern California. Actually, we have a lot of wind, but not much rain. So lots of sun. So you traded one thing in for another, but peace and tranquility in your heart by the water. That's correct. That's every morning I wake up and thank God. So talk about daring courage in the middle of the pandemic to move and, and start over in a place, but also to rejuvenate your writing career. So <clears throat> there's a verse that says, God says, look, I'm doing a new thing. And I think if you're 
listening and watching for God's vision, sometimes he opens things up when you least expect them. And that was the case here. In the case of my writing, it had been in the back of my mind. I'd been worrying about it for many years since my first book was published because so many things happened in my life. My, I lost my father, my mother, my two sisters. I went through a couple of divorces, several job changes. And when I finally got the job I have now, I was traveling a great deal at the time. I was gone over one week out of every month and trying to be a good father to my daughter and just deal with things. And so writing really takes concentration and being able to put some time into it. And I was having uh, difficulty focusing on one thing at a time. So I, meanwhile, my career actually was flourishing. So I stuck with marketing. I figured this is what God wants me to do now. And when the time is right, he'll show me and then I'll start to work on this book again. So he never let me forget that book. He kept haunting me with the premise of it. And uh, so I finally was able to get back to it and then published it this last July. So I have to ask you, did he gently nudge you along the shoreline or did he just push you right into where you had no choice and you were just swimming, <laughs> swimming with those angels, like awful. Like how was that nudge? Cause you said you knew it was going to come. Yeah. It's a little bit of both. So as I've said, I think sometimes as a writer, you're, it's like the frozen tundra. You're just plodding along and things are not happening easily. And then all of a sudden there's a breakthrough and things are just flowing and you feel like, okay, this is good. God, thank you. Let's roll with this. And so it's, you know, it's one thing this month and maybe something else next month and you just have to let it be what it's going to be. But you can never give up. You have to just, you know, if you've been given a mission by God, a purpose, then that's your purpose. You can't turn your back on it forever. He's, you just have to wait for God's timing sometimes. And that was the case for me. I needed to wait for his time until it was right. And that is a form of patience there and trust. Yes. And also acceptance when it wasn't your time in that way. Yes. So well, you used the word earlier that you might have worried a little bit about that book, Swim with the Angels, that premise that got you said, I'd spent all those years kind of a little worried. Yes, I think uh, it's like a haunting. It's like something that won't let you go. You know, there's something that you're not dealing with and you have to come back to it and work it. You have to dig those furrows for the rain to come and fill them. And so that's what I struggled with for many years until I had the time to go back and, and put the words there. And then I still needed help shaping them. So I ended up going back to uh, school. Basically, I spotted a writing uh, school at Stanford that had just started. It was all online. 
And it, it gave me the uh, discipline because every week we had to read other authors and read our fellow students and turn in our own work. And the professors were all professional authors, some people very famous like Carolyn Lovett, who was a best-selling author. And um, they gave us the tools to really improve our work. And that was necessary for me. Personally, it's not an easy thing to write. It's huh. a discipline and uh, it takes more than just stringing a couple of sentences together. And so talk about change in the industry from 26 years ago when you were first published with Soulcatcher to now. So I'm, I can't be positive about the numbers, but I think back in the days when my first novel was published, there were maybe 50 some thousand books a year published. And so if you found an agent and if they were good, and if your book had any reasonable chance of success at all, you would find a publisher. And I had, the great blessing to find a good agent and to actually have publishers bid on my book. And so it was published. In fact, there was kind of a, an excitement about it. People thought it was going to become a, a movie. And so I also had a film agent for a while. Yeah, so it was very exciting. I had Steven Spielberg and a number of production companies look at it. And uh, I got pretty excited because I was thinking, oh, boy, this is my new career. But <laughs> that didn't quite happen. Now, today, um, I believe there's something like a hundred thousand, uh, excuse me, a million books. Probably. I was about to say, I'll yeah, take yeah. a couple of people. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it's pretty tough. On the one hand, it's there's a lot of ways to do it. You can self-publish, you can go with a major publisher. There's just a lot of things you can do, but that means there's a lot of books out there and really readership, from what I understand is going down, that people are reading less books because they're more distracted by their telephone, social media, work, play, whatever it is. But uh, so there's really, there's, there's so many, it's supply and demand. There's so much supply and the demand is maybe less than it was at one point. So it's it's tougher and easier from the standpoint of more ways to get published. But will you sell a million books? Maybe not. But you're here on the podcast too, which was not even a thing back in the day. <laughs> That's right. Very exciting. So that's something too, but you've got that advertising and marketing background, right? And you know, you would think I would be a whiz at promoting myself, but actually ah. talking about myself is not an easy thing to do. There's something about that that sounds, you know, this isn't right. This is too, you know, you know Colin, I do the same exact thing. And then I use my platform to talk more about other authors and help other authors that, and I don't even think about myself most days or talk about myself most days because I'm just so in love with the book world 
and the authors that are in it to try to uplift and encourage them that it becomes more about them. That's a very good way to approach yeah. it, is to think more about others and uh, your own glory will come if it's meant to. But That's um, right. Yeah. And so you said after, you know, Swimming with the Angels came, book box, book in hand. How was that whole process from like start to finish for you? Because I know you said you took the courses, you had to have a set of eyes on it. Like, how long did that take? Were you working that during the pandemic or did you start that pre-pandemic? I've been working now for 40 some years in marketing. And uh, and so I started working on the book again just prior to the pandemic and was really very serious about it. Then the pandemic hit and I had to shift gears, part of that being the move and so forth. But I kept the pedal to the metal. In fact, when I was at Stanford, my professors marveled because I wrote so quickly. Now, there's a danger in that. You can, you know, it's like driving too fast. You can miss the turn. And But on the other hand, it means if you discover that there's a, you're off the beaten track, and basically what we all want as writers, I think, is a map right? Something to tell us how to get from A to B, because it's a long journey and you you need to have something to guide you. That's where people that outline maybe have a little bit, that discipline right. helps them get where they're going and not have so many splinters, you know, offshoots of, of where they're supposed to go. So I still had to learn that discipline and some of those classes really helped. For instance, one teacher as an exercise said, take one of your characters who's not a main character and write something in their voice and see what happens. I Yes, I did that, yeah. And so, as you know, that can open up things that you possibly never would have considered before. And in my case, it's suddenly I had an, another character to, to develop in the book as a voice. And she's the tragic character. She's the one who has been self-harming herself. Mm. She's blind and she's grieving over the loss of her mother to cancer 10 years earlier. And she's young and she's responsible for cooking and cleaning in the house. She has no friends just a seeing-eye dog and her family that she feels don't respect her. And so when my main character shows up on the scene, she thinks, oh, Lord, this is deliverance. You know, you've sent the man my mother promised was going to come for me. Anyway, all of that came about from this teacher asking us to do a little exercise. Wow. And that just shows you how your characters can surprise you if yeah. you just allow them that opportunity to speak. That's right. So discipline, what's the day look like for you? Do you have like a set routine? Like I know you said, I really love the thought of the reading while you're writing and keeping yourself immersed with words, you know, print around you at all times. Because to me, that's what helps us grow in our craft is that immersion. So, so how did you balance all of that? And what does it kind of look like for you setting up that routine? 
I'm quite disciplined, actually. Uh, it changes from time to time. But when I get up in the morning, I'm starting to think about what work I may have. I work for a Japanese manufacturing firm, and I edit their marketing materials, public relations, web pages, all those kind of things. And so the first thing to do after I've glanced at the Wall Street Journal is to check the internet and, and look on my email and see what work I may have been sent. And then that takes over for the next few hours while I'm, you know, earning my pay. And so I do that first. And then I might go to the gym, which is just a block from my home. And, uh, and then I'm back here taking a shower, getting cleaned up, and then ready to dive into writing in the afternoon. And sometimes that's only a few hours. And sometimes I might, you know, come back to it in the evening and write for a long time. It just depends on how it's going. And when you were immersing yourself with your reading, so when you were getting the assignments to read, did you know suspense thriller was it for you and that you were just going to stay within that lane or did you branch out? I really pretty much stay within that lane and I'll tell you why. For some reason, it's just being scared of what's going to eat you or catch you or kill you or whatever is just... It's the most powerful thing there is, really. And so uh, I don't read all thrillers. I read every kind of literature you can think of, literary fiction as well as genre fiction. And so it's not that I don't wish to write literary you know, fiction. It's just that when it gets right down to it, the, the characters that I invent, the scenes that I invent, all tend to have this thread of something bad's going to happen, you know, if you don't stay one step ahead of it, and that you're constantly looking over your shoulder, what's coming for me? The joy is there when you're talking about the genre and your part you're playing in it. Right. <laughs> Because it, so when you said people have an advantage of like if they do plot and organize, I have a feeling that you're going with it more so maybe. Is that true? Do you just go with words and where they take you? I, I've done both, but I have found there's a term, maybe you've heard it called spaghettiing. <laughs> no, but don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so you get 100 pages into a novel. And all of a sudden, you find yourself going off in all different directions, like spaghetti. And so at that point, if, if you're not careful, the story can get away from you. You've got characters pulling in every direction, scenes running in every direction. And with this book, um, I had that problem at one point. It, I wrote a very bad version of this <laughs> book because I couldn't control it. And that's, again, why going back to school really helped me understand what I needed to do to control the story. So then you walked back into your book and then did you just say, what a mess I just made, but a lovely mess because you did accomplish the first draft. So that's a praise right there. It's a praise, but still for me, but... there's, yes, there's a big, but that is, would anybody want to read this? 
you know, um, I don't want to make authors feel like it's not a valuable endeavor to just write. And truly, like you said, to finish a book is quite an endeavor. But of course, it is hugely fulfilling if somebody reads it and says, wow, I couldn't put it down. Now that's, that's it. For but that, that takes that careful editing, that careful yes. eye. That going, you know, I tell authors that I work with all the time. I'm like, you know, yeah, you built the frame. Congratulations. You have it. Now go decorate. Just go decorate, fix it, work it, and then make it home for somebody else to have that home within your pages. Because really, that's truly where the magic happens is in that editing. That's correct. Yes. I so wish. I wish I was a genius and didn't need that. Oh, gosh, don't we all? Yeah. Because then we could just keep chasing story after story without even thinking about it. Write it, throw it, go. Write it, throw right. it. Does it work that way, does it, Colin? It might work that way for maybe. Stephen King. Maybe, you know? maybe. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work for Jen that way. I'm going to call myself out right now. It does not work for me like that. Uh, it's just constant rounds of editing and and praying over it and walking away and coming back and continuing to, you know, try to improve and still know that I'm not there yet. Right. Yeah. So, and then at some point, in my case, at least, I needed somebody at a publisher to say, you know, I don't know enough about this character. I'd like to know more about them more quickly. Could you add something in the front end? But in the middle, I think maybe there's too much. Could you take one thing out? And that's all the help I really needed was to get that little bit of advice to put a little more into the front, take a little out in the middle, like a haircut, right? Yeah, yeah. or that roadmap you were talking about earlier, just, you know, right. making sure you've got that right direction. Right. And then enjoying it as you go, enjoying the ride, not zooming so through it or so caught up in it that you miss the ride. Right. How did it feel when you got it done? Kind of amazing. You know, it's a huge relief. And then you start to think about what's next, you know. So, <laughs> How long? Wait a minute. How long did that go? I need to know, Colin, like you finished it. You got it. It's out in the world. When did your what's next hit you? That same minute, hour, weeks? No, it was probably three months. <laughs> there, okay. I needed your yeah. timeline here. Yeah. And then, and your what next is a third book. Yes. So I'd like to um, say that everything that sales are just going gangbusters with the second book because that then would maybe help keep me inspired. But not every day is, uh, hey, look at how many you know, sales you had yesterday. That's not happening on a regular basis. So I just have to keep working because that's what I'm here to do. It's, you know, my philosophy is to be faithful and be fruitful. And so every day I get up, that's, I'm, thankful and that's my mode of operation and mine is honor the blank page just honor the page very nice and the holy spirit is right there with us as we move through this life 
you know, and it's, it's about that joy of following the call too. Very true. Because we do sacrifice time. We could be doing other things with our time. Most definitely. And not be haunted for 25 years by a story. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I look at it, you know, like you, like the calling. But I look at it as the joy. And it doesn't equate to sales. It just equates to knowing that I'm doing the thing that brings me that internal spring, that joy. And as long as I can continue to do that joy, I'll praise God. And then if God decides to say, no, not for you, let's, let's, you know, this is it. Your time as a writer's over. Then I know that the Lord will step in and guide me in a new path in a new way. And I'll find joy in whatever he calls me to do. But I find that it's, you know, I can't look at numbers. I can't look at sales. That's not where the joy has to come from because that's fleeting and that's passing. Like you said, that's based on conditions. That's very wise. You know, there are some people I think who are playing golf or, you know, being with friends, that's be really their purpose and, or eating has become their purpose at a certain point in their life. And so to have something that you find joy in, not just a grandchild or a child, but also something that actually is from your inner self, that you're to feel like you're, you're part of the vine. You're oh, yeah. growing and you're using what God has given you, your tools, to maybe help one other person, maybe many more, that's quite a fulfilling thing, right? We just yes. have to keep our eyes on that purpose versus how many books did I sell today or not yes. sell, right? Yeah, that's it. Because that's the longevity. And that's the motivation, you know. Correct, yes. It's so nice to meet you and to hear another <laughs> authors speak that way because frankly they're not all that way so some well then that's great because this is a business and we do you know we do look at bottom lines and we do know that this is a business right however to keep us in this business <laughs> to keep us going in this business no matter what the climate is no matter what the market no matter what selling or hot or now you know God is forever and enduring and faithful. And we can be that, you know, way to him and serve him in this. Because, you know, the Lord can, you know, supply my needs in other ways. And even the pandemic can't stop you. No. It's just a thing. Just something you deal with, like the rain or... You know, and it's, and it's hard. And so many people have lost people. Yes. And so many people have been separated from their hopes and what they thought their future would be. And it's not that way anymore. But words matter. Stories matter. And if we can do that 
if that's the part how we can contribute, let us just keep doing it, Colin. Let us just keep doing it because words matter. I agree. As I mentioned earlier, I lost my mother, my father, my two sisters years ago, but my wife lost her son, who was not that old, to cancer a few years ago. And really at that time, I realized that God had put me in her life to help her get through that period. And I was just someone she could lean on when times were really tough and she desperately needed somebody to lean on because it wasn't easy and it's still not easy today. She's still breathing. And so um, I get to write, that's my lovely gift from God, but it's, it's not the only thing I do. I also, I'm there for her, I'm there for others. We all have a purpose that's not just pouring out ourselves, but also looking around and being there for other people because we all need each other. That's it. That's it. So whether it's a spoken word or just a side-by-side comfort or a written word or sharing the word of the Lord, whatever it is in those moments, it's about being together. Very true. Love it. Colin, I've loved having you on the show. So nice meeting you, Jen. I wish you were next door and I'd run over for <laughs> Yes, we can we can have coffee, tea. What do you like? Do you like coffee or tea? That's my last question for you. I'm a coffee person. Oh, okay. Double chocolate coffee. I've never had that. Oh. It sounds like it might stop my heart. Oh. Double chocolate coffee. It is a generic brand from Target. Absolutely am in love with that coffee. I just went and bought, I went and bought five bags to keep in my cabinet. Wow. Okay. So I run out of double chocolate coffee from Target. Because yeah. <laughs> we don't, yeah, trust me, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, we could have coffee together. That sounds good. Hey, well, maybe you come back on the show and I actually make a pot of that coffee. You make your pot of coffee and we sit together and we have coffee let's do it we can have a show called coffee with Colin <laughs> let's yes. do it let's all right do it. all right so Colin tell everybody how they can find you I know your book's out do you go on social media you've got a website I do have a website it's colincursey.com and so you can find me there in my books. Uh, there's an excerpt from both books, and I now have a blog. So if you want to find out a little bit about me and, and why and how I write and so forth, there's some of that there. There's reviews, and uh, people can contact me easily. And, of course, I've got a Colin Kersey Facebook page and so forth and so on. So Guess what I'm going. Guess what I'm going. Going to find Colin Kersey around the world, guys. Go find Colin. Connect. Just just so thankful to meet you, Colin. Good luck with your future success for your book, Swimming with the Angels. Now you've got Soul Catcher, which is going to be re-released. And now book three, On the Horizon. Thanks. Thank you, Jim. This has been a pleasure. Really, yeah. so enjoyable.
All right. All right, guys. Love y'all. Thank y'all for joining us at Jen Lowry Writes. We'll check you out later. Now that you found me on the Jen Lowry Writes podcast, I challenge you to head over to where books are sold and find me there. I've published 11 books so far, and I write clean books for all ages. Horror, paranormal, sweet romance, fantasy, historical fiction, you name it, I've got your genre. Search Jen Lowry at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Kobo, and more. And for my Bible devotionals, you'll see my full name, Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry on Amazon. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.